Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, and we take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. You can always join us live each Sunday morning at 8.30, 9.45, or 11 a.m. at our Rock Spring, Georgia campus, or at 11 a.m. at our Rossville, Georgia campus, which is just outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Hey, we're glad you're here. John chapter 1, if you have your Bible. I'm starting a sermon series today to go through the month of December entitled, The Gift. We focus so much on what we're going to give other people that oftentimes we forget what it is that God has given us. And so we're fascinated with uh, Black Friday, which by the way, I read an article this week about the number of deaths that occur on Black Friday from shopping. Slow down, people. It's not that important. And so uh, then Cyber Monday. And so we get all focused on gifts we're giving and forget that the reason we do all that is the greatest gift that has ever been given to us. So over the next four weeks, we're going to look at the gifts that God has given us as we kind of focus on uh, the triune God during this time. And today I want to preach on this subject, just kind of set it all off, the gift of life, the gift of life. We do the baby, and I'm kind of using the baby dedication as the theme today. You know, when it comes to naming a baby today, it's a lot harder than it used to be. It used to be when you named a baby, all you did was went back and look at your family history and you named it after dad or granddad or great-granddad or uh, great-grandma, something like that. Or if you didn't really have any interesting names or names you wanted to use, you'd pull out a baby book and, you know, my wife and I did this. You'd spend time looking through a baby book and trying to find a good name. And then just a few years ago, it, it, it came to where you had to pick out a baby name that the URL was available. You know, so you could buy them a website as soon as they're born. And so that's even hard nowadays because like Bob.com is taken already. Like you can't find Bob.com and Susie, I checked last night, Susie.com is taken. Uh, uh, somebody hadn't touched the site in 10 years, but she owns the site Susie.com. And so now when parents name children, they look towards social media handles. And so they check what's available on Snapchat and Twitter and Instagram. And one of the reasons they're doing it is, is they, they're trying to set their kid up for fortune later on because they want them to have a unique name so people will remember them because they may need it if they're going to be YouTube stars, right? You say, well, like, they're not going to be a YouTube star. Well, hold on. Business Insider reported in 2017 that the number one YouTube star in America making millions of dollars a year is a seven-year-old boy named Ryan who reviews toys on YouTube. How many of you have watched one of Ryan's videos? Let me see your hand. Hold on. Hi. I want everybody else to look. So I thought, all over. Kids making millions of dollars. But you can't take Ryan. He already owns it. So you got to get more creative than that. And so the U.S. Social Security Administration helps us out. And then they just listed for us the most unique names, baby names of 2017. And I thought I'd share those with you today so you get a concept of where we're going. Now, I also want to just give you a big old giant disclaimer. If your kid is named one of these names, I love it, okay? 
We didn't say it was the worst baby name. We said unique and unique is good, right? So, so hang with me. If your name's up here, it could be, I love your name. Like tell your kid, save this sermon for him, play it for him 10 years later. I love your kid's name. At least some of them on here. I'll let you figure it out, all right? So, so one of the things that's popular now is to name people after certain brands. You say, what do you mean? Well, here we go. Uh, uh, Tesla, 130 girls and 11 boys were named after a car in 2017. 24 girls were named Fanta. Now, I'm well aware there could be some kind of middle school girls novel where the main character is named Fanta, and I don't know it. I don't care. It's named after an orange drink, the best I can tell, Fanta. (laughs) Then 21 girls were named Beretta, which as far as I know is after a gun, right? So that's cool. And then uh, 20 girls, praise God it was girls, were named Maybelline. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's going to be hard to be a boy and be named Maybelline in middle school. It's going to be really hard. So we name them after brands. And then we, have, then we have people who are infatuated with things. And one of the things we find out America is infatuated with is sports, you know. And so there was this particular name in 2017 that really stood out to the Social Security Administration because 12 girls and six boys were named after a particular sports entity. And this doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Anybody know what it is? ESPN. 12 girls are walking around with the name ESPN. And then we, then we, have, we have fascination with inspiration. Like we, we, we're inspired by things. And oftentimes people have been inspired by the Bible. When you read your Bible, man, that was real popular a few years ago. People would go digging in the Old Testament and find some obscure names in, in, uh, in the Bible. And, and Joel's a, a, a biblical name if you want to, you know, get real spiritual. And then it's in there too, but they're Bible names. But then people are now getting their inspiration from the Bible and other places as well. For example, we find these names, Halo. 149 girls, 25 boys. That's not named after Halo over your head, parents. That's named after a video game. 75 boys and 55 girls were named Amen, which is very confusing in church. (laughs) 16 girls and seven boys were named Calvary. That's awesome, but this is funnier. 24 boys were named Lucifer. Like you saw him coming, didn't you? Like you knew this is going to be one bad boy. Um, 11 girls were named Gethsemane out of the Bible. And then, and then, we, then we have the power names. You know what I'm talking about? You name your child Earl or Duke or Queenie or something like that, and it's a power name. And so then we have power names. Kaiser was number 929 on the boys list. That's pretty high. 2017, 74 boys were named Caesar, 145 boys named Pharaoh, 106 girls named Empress, nine boys named Emperor, 53 girls named Eris, and I love it, 11 boys named General. I love that name, General. General Joel, love it. And then we have emotions. Like, you know your kid just going to have this emotion when it's born, and this may, I, I love some of these names, Vanity, 38 girls. Envy, 28 girls. Riot, 46 boys, 16 girls. Havoc, makes total sense, 17 boys. Shooter, okay, I love this one. Arson, 11 boys. <laughs> Tell us about a little arson. Oh, he loves to strike matches. You know, and uh, uh, I don't know. Great name though, I love the name. 
Yo-Yo, 10 girls, and Furious. And so then I'm going to be honest with you, this next list. If you name your kid this, I'll be honest with you. I love you, but I think you're a little lazy. All right? I just think you're a little lazy. Say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, 28 boys were named boy. (laughs) Put a little more work in it than that. You know what I'm saying? Just a little more work. Six boys were named son. That's pretty obvious. S-O-N. And then (laughs) 19 girls were named girl. And then eight boys and seven girls were named baby boy or baby girl. And 18 boys were named Mr. And uh, 16 girls named Paul. And 13 girls named man. I don't get that one, but there's probably some kind of book I don't know about uh, on that. And 11 girls named my, eight eight boys named God. It's hard enough to raise a boy without having to call him God every time you call his name, right? And then I'm gonna show you the last one I'm done. Last one I'm done. Now I just wanna be honest with you. If you name your child this, it's just a little lazy. I'm just gonna tell you, it's a little lazy. Six, six girls, all girls were named A, B, C, D, E. Like, and I probably have a little, I know it's, it was a hard labor. You've been in labor 48 hours. Your husband had been watching ESPN and drinking sodas the whole time. Your in-laws are probably outlaws more than their in-laws. And ladies, by the time the baby come, you didn't care. And the nurse said, what do you want us to put on the birth certificate? And you say, I don't care. Call her A, B, C, D, E for all I care. And so six girls. Wouldn't you love for two of them to meet? Like, what's your name? A, B, C, D, E. And I bet there's an A, B, C, D, E, F somewhere along the way. Oh, where did that come from? <laughs> That's weird. That looks like somebody's good looking. I don't even know where, I don't know how that goes. Hey guys, something in the sound room must be messed up. I don't know what that is. Anyway, the gift of life. People want their baby names to mean something, right? And so did God. Because God's son was going, his life was going to mean something. That, here, here's what we mean. That when Jesus was born, his life brought life to man. But yet when Jesus died, his death brought life to man. And that's why we celebrate the gift of life. Jesus was named Jesus because it meant savior. It meant deliverer. It meant rescuer. It meant, Jesus' very name meant that you were going to give life back to those who had lost life. And John was telling that story as we opened the book of John. So would you stand with me as we read God's word together, beginning in John chapter 1 and verse number 1. You know these words, they're very familiar. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, verse three. All things were created through him and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life and the life was the light of men. Thank you, you may be seated. John is setting the stage for Jesus and he writes in the beginning. 
John is paralleling the words of the creation account in Genesis chapter one, where it says in the beginning, and John is stressing that again. He's stressing that the word existed from the very beginning of creation, but John is even taking it a step farther than Genesis even did. He is saying that the word was at the beginning of the beginning, that the word was at the beginning before the beginning of Genesis chapter one, that that before Genesis chapter one started, in eternity, the word already existed, all of that wrapped up in verse one, that the word had always been there, even in eternity. And the second verse underscores that truth, that the word had been coexisted with the father. And then verse number three, he gives us that iconic verse that tells us that all things were created through him, that everything that came into creation came in through him, and it ultimately depends upon him. We learn that in science. You, you learn early on in, in, in grammar school that there's a scientific principle that no new matter has ever been created. It only changes forms. Why can matter not be created? Because all things were created by him. And then verse number four is that statement, in him was life. A statement of inconceivable magnitude that the word Jesus is the author of all life. And that's where I want to spend a moment today. I want to spend a moment just unpacking verse four throughout the scripture. We're going to spend almost all of our time in the book of John, save one verse. And I want to talk about the gift of life because I think that here today there are Christians and non-Christians that don't quite understand what we have when we have the gift of life. So let me tell you four things that you need to know about the gift of life. Oh, that's weird. There he is again. Where is, I don't, I don't know. There's a glitch. That is one good looking grandbaby there though, isn't it? There's a glitch in the systems. I don't know. It just keeps, we have this problem. It downloads the cutest baby in the world and it just keeps doing it. We can't stop it somehow. All right, I'll stop maybe. And so number one, here, here it is. What does Jesus do? Number one, he gives spiritual life. Ephesians 2, 1 says this, and you he made alive who were dead and trespasses and sins. Looking back from the perspective of life in Christ, Paul is now looking at the old life before Jesus and he viewed the former life as death. He viewed the former life as spiritual death. He viewed the life without Jesus. In Ephesians chapter two, he say, the life before Jesus was hardly worth living. Paul says death is a tyrant and it dominates unredeemed humanity. It dominates death, dominates unredeemed humanity in their living and in the grave, in your now and in the future, in your present and in your eternity. That when you are without Christ, you are spiritually dead. And because of that death, you have no relationship with God. And because of that death, you have re distorted relationships with each other. And on your own, you are powerless to change and you're being pulled down into destruction. Here's what Paul says, that without Christ in every way imaginable, you are spiritually dead. It's a rough opening verse, but Paul expands even more because he says just a few verses later, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us made us alive with Christ 
Even though we were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace. Paul said that yes, you were dead in Christ. You were dead in life, spiritually dead, but Christ brought life. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago, he brought spiritual life to all who would receive it. When you receive it, you now have access to God. When you receive it, you now have communion with God. When you receive it, you have a hope beyond this world. When you receive it, you can have a prayer answered. When you receive it, you can have a changed life because spiritual life can only be found in Jesus. In the 19th century, there was a famous atheist by the name of Charles Bradlaugh. Charles Bradlaugh wanted to debate a Christian about the merits of Christianity and the merits of atheism. And he chose to pick on an evangelist in London by the name of Hugh Price Hughes. Here's a picture of Hugh Price Hughes. Hugh Price was a, a, a man who worked in the slums of London and he would help the poor and the privileged there. And so Charles Bradlaugh challenged Hugh Price Hughes to a debate of Christianity versus atheism, Christ versus nothing. And so Hugh said, I'll gladly do that, but I propose one condition, that we all bring evidence of how our teachings have changed life. So here's what Hugh Price Hughes said. He said, I'll bring a hundred men and women whose lives have been changed by Jesus. And you bring a hundred men and women whose lives have been changed by the teaching of atheism. Charles Bradlaugh wrote back and said, uh, I don't have a hundred people. And Hugh Hughes said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll bring a hundred and you bring 50. And Charles Bradlaugh wrote back and said, I, I don't have 50. And Hugh Price, you said, okay, I'll bring 20. Uh, you bring 20 and I'll still bring 100. And Charles Bradlaugh wrote back and said, I, I don't have 20 whose lives have been changed by the teaching of atheism. And, and Hugh Price Hughes wrote back and said, so here's what we'll do. You bring one person whose life has been changed for the good by the teachings of atheism. And I'll bring 100 who have been changed by Christ. And the next letter, Charles Bradlaugh withdrew his request for debate. Do you know why? Because atheism doesn't change lives for the better. That no other religion, no other teaching, no other way can bring spiritual life. The only one that can bring spiritual life is found in the pages of your Bible and his name is Jesus. Listen to me, the Mormon temple cannot bring spiritual life. You can get married there, you can go there, you can move to Utah, you can do all of that, it doesn't happen. Buddha does not bring spiritual life. A, a Buddhist monk, follow his teachings. A Hindu pajari, follow his teachings and you will never find spiritual life. It's only in Jesus. Some of you are here today and you're looking for spiritual life in other places. And you want to connect with God, find meaning, find purpose, find reason in life. Listen, that is only found in Jesus. Jesus. He gives you the gift of life, the gift of spiritual life. Number two, he gives abundant life. John 10, 10, John said this, a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come so that they might have life and they might have it in abundance. John is playing that the, the enemy is a taker. 
He is here only to kill, steal, and destroy. That's it. He is a taker by nature, and he's always going to take. Listen, when you reject God and you receive the enemy, here's what you need to know the enemy's going to do. Old Satan himself is always going to take your life. He's always going to destroy your life. He's always going to steal life from you. He's a taker. But God said, I have come that I might give them life and that I might give them life in abundance. Can I tell you the thing about knowing Jesus? Is this not barely life, okay life, normal life, kind of life, boring life? It is abundant life. And life with Jesus is the better life. And life with Jesus is the preferred life. Read an article, it was in the Archives of Pediatrics and Adolescent Medicine. Article, the Archives of Pediatric and Adolescent Medicine. Here's what they did. They brought, they brought a bunch of young kids in and they went and bought McDonald's food and uh, they left half of it in the McDonald's wrapper and they took the other half of the McDonald's food and wrapped it up in brown paper wrapping. So get it, same chicken McNuggets. Some of them are wrapped in McDonald's wrapping. Some of them are wrapped in brown paper wrapping. Same McDonald's French fries. Some are wrapped in McDonald's wrapping. Some are wrapped in brown paper. Same McDonald's hamburger. Some are wrapped in McDonald's wrapping. Some just wrapped in brown paper. And did you know this? That when they let the kids do a taste test, that almost every single time, over 80% of the time, the kids said the food in the McDonald's wrapping tasted better than the food that was in the brown wrapping. It was the same food. So they even went and got non-McDonald's food and they did it with apple juice. And they said apple juice tasted better in McDonald's wrapping. Listen, they said carrots tasted better wrapped in McDonald's wrapping paper. They said milk tasted better when the cow was wrapped in a McDonald's wrapping paper. They said chocolate tasted better that was wrapped in McDonald's. They said cheese tasted better that was wrapped in McDonald's. And I read the study and here's what I thought. I'm a little biased too. You know why? Because life wrapped in Jesus is always better. You know what? You can have this life over here and this life and they may look the same, but oh, they're different. Why? Because this life has got Jesus and this life doesn't. I'm telling you this life is always better. That the best, most happy, most fulfilled life you can find is a life that's wrapped in Jesus. And some of you are here today and you've been searching for love and happiness and joy and fulfillment in all the wrong places. It's all found in Jesus. He gives spiritual life. Number two, he gives abundant life. And number three, oh, there's a, I don't know, man. These things just keep coming up. It's weird. That's the last one. Number three, he gives resurrected life. Jesus said in John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Jesus in John 11 was comforting people at the funeral of his friend, Lazarus. And Jesus knew, when you read the story, Jesus knew he was going to raise him from the dead. They were just having a hard time believing it. Here's the thing about Jesus. He broke up every funeral he ever attended. Like, did you know Jesus never preached a funeral? Like, you could ask Jesus to preach a funeral, and he's like, I'll try, but weird thing, man. Everybody gets up from the grave when I come around. (laughs) 
And notice this, Jesus didn't perform a resurrection. Jesus is the resurrection. Because when he came around, they got up. Death couldn't stay dead around Jesus. It always got resurrected. And listen carefully, Jesus did not come just to bring you a good life now. That's awesome that he does. But he came to gift you and me resurrected life. What do you mean, preacher? That means you do not have to fear death. And Paul said it. I love this verse. I'd read it every Sunday if I could. Where death is your victory. Where death is your sting. Paul said that will be our victory chant as we're called up from the grave. Why? Jesus gives resurrected life. It's not just that you have your best life now. That's great. But what if you had your best life now and you died and it was over or worse? It was eternity apart from God. No, our hope is for the resurrector, Jesus. That means when you lose a loved one in Christ, they are not gone. You can lay your head on your pillow at night and know that death has no hold on you. I, I turned 51 this year, and you know what I'm noticing when I turn 51? Is that young people are dying at a more alarming rate. And what I mean by young people is people age 51. You ever notice that about the older you get, the more you're concerned about dying? The more you hear about death? I mean, you're 18 years old, you don't ever think about it. You get 51 and somebody says, hey, did you hear so-and-so died? You're like, stop, what'd they die from? Eating carrots, I'll never eat a carrot as long as I live again. My wife and I hear about somebody dying and say, how old were they? They say, we're 88 years old. And I'm like, whew, that is so young to die at that age. What happened to 110? Because we as Christians, we can lay our head down at night and know that the closer I get to death, death has no hold on me. He gives spiritual life. He gives abundant life. He gives resurrected life for, and I'm finished. He gives eternal life. John 3, 15, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus in John chapter three is in his famous discourse with a man named Nicodemus. And we all know verse 16, right? John three sixteen, most famous verse in the Bible for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know that verse, but verse 15 sums it up even a little more succinctly that when you believe in Jesus, when you, not a mental ascent, but when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, he gives you, get this, eternal life. What does that mean? That means life without end. That means life with no worries. That means life with no regrets. That means life with no sickness. That means life with no heartache. That means life that is full of joy. John said it best when he wrote this book called The Revelation. He said in Revelation 21, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, pain will be no more. Because the previous things that passed away, 
Then the one seated on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. What more could you want? Christmas is all about giving and Jesus has given us the gift of eternal life. And what will you do with that? Close your Bibles and I'm finished. We only have the gift of life because of Jesus. As a matter of fact, you're gonna learn throughout this sermon series that I'm preaching that, that he had to give up something in order for us to get something. In order for me to give something, I've got to give up something. Listen, it's exactly what Jesus did on Calvary for you. In order for you to get spiritual life and abundant life and resurrected life and eternal life, it cost him his life. So what are you going to do with that? Because there, there are Christians here today that you're saved, but you're not living the abundant life. You're still chasing after the world. And you're giving up your chance and hope and of abundant life. And there, there's some of you here today that you're just, you're looking for love and fun and peace and all the wrong places. It's always found in Jesus. And he gave up his life so you could have it. And yet there's some of you here today that you don't know Christ as your savior and you've tried everything. You've tried counseling and you've tried You've tried turn over a new leaf and you've tried being a better person. You've tried going to a church and you've tried this religion. You've tried this person and you find yourself here today still empty. You know why? Because spiritual life and abundant life is only found in Jesus. It's time for you to lay everything that's down and go all in on Jesus. So I'm asking you to stand with me with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, nobody looking around. You're here today and you're a believer, you're a Christian, but you're not living the abundant life you ought to live. This room is full of people who are believers in Jesus Christ. And when you trusted Christ, you meant to follow Christ with all of your heart and you find yourself here today and you're just not doing it. And you find yourself walking a guilty distance from God. Oh, let's stop, let's stop, let's stop. If you're here today and you're a believer and you find yourself a guilty distance from the Lord, I'm gonna invite you to walk down to this altar, find a place to kneel and just say, dear God, I want the abundant life that comes in Jesus. And there are those of you here today, you don't know Christ as your savior. You've tried everything in the world to fix your life, but listen, Jesus is the answer. He's the only one that gives spiritual life and it's as simple as A, B, C. A, you've got to admit that you're a sinner and can't save yourself. B, you've got to believe Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose again on the third day. And C, you've got to call out to him, confess him as Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Our, our pastors are up here at front. If you want to be saved, you want to join our church, you want to be baptized, come tell one of our pastors that, and they'd love to walk you through that process. As a believer, you may just need to come pray. Whether you're at the Rossville campus, here at the Rock Spring campus, you may just need to find your way to the altar and just pray, God, I want abundant life in Jesus. I'm going to pray in Joshua's scene. I'm going to invite you to come. Father, I pray you draw us with your spirit this morning as you've spoken to us. 
through the word of God into our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name we pray. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. For more information about Peavine or to get in touch with us, please visit our website, peavine.org. Thanks for listening.